Definitively Speaking is a definitive healthcare podcast series recorded and produced in Framingham, Massachusetts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence, please visit us at definitivehc.com. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Definitively Speaking, the podcast where we have data-driven conversations on the current state of healthcare. I'm Justin Steinman, Chief Marketing Officer at Definitive Healthcare, and your host for this podcast. I'm joined today by my friends and colleagues, Brittany Moore-Mazadri and Todd Bellamar, for an afterwards discussion about our last podcast with Karen McNulty, the President of Mental Health and Wellbeing at CVS Health. Now, a quick apology to everybody listening today if we're not sounding as crisp as usual. All three of us have had recent COVID exposure, and so we decided it might not be the best idea to cram ourselves into a small podcast studio, breathe all over each other, and make each other even triple more infected. So we're doing this remote. But I promise we'll be back in the studio for our next episode. Anyways, Brittany, Todd, great to see you guys virtually. Hello, Justin. What's up, guys? How you doing? So I'm, I'm glad you could take this time, even, you know, looking at each other over Zoom screens to have a conversation about last episode's discussion with Karen McNulty, because it really was one of my favorite ones so far. You know, Brittany, you're right there with me. What stood out to you about that conversation? Absolutely everything. I really wanted to spend so much more time with her than we did. She was phenomenal. The thing that I held on to the most, and, and I still think about now, is how we can take care of our our own mental health. And I think she used the phrase or used the phrase, how do we brush our brain? How do Mm -hmm. we do proactive health care for our mental health when there really isn't always a a clinical consequence or side effect of poor or declining mental health? Um, So hearing her speak to that was was fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Todd, what what you listen to? What did you think about it? I did. I I agree. I thought it was you know a fantastic product. She was wonderful to to hear her perspective on on the challenges and the the barriers they're breaking down to to improve access to mental health care. Because I think that for me, you know, when we a lot of the talk that we've had in our podcast has centered around like when it comes to staffing, like this coming tide of of need, and so looking at that sort of. Um, the difference between that feeling of hopelessness to at least providing a glimpse of, hey, here's somebody who's in the midst of fixing a problem that is such a major uh, a problem that almost everybody is feeling. You look at the statistics and, and it's you know millions and millions of Americans that are going without care that really need it. And so to what stood out to me is, again, that what are the ways to brush your brains or what are we doing to help people get to a point where they can access that mental health care? And even just the descriptions for me, I, I hadn't even thought of some of the barriers that she brought up. And you know, obviously when you don't know the barriers, that are out there, and I'm I'm assuming I'm not the only person who didn't realize some of those barriers. So to have someone sort of illuminate them, it makes it easier, or at least you can focus on where to to break them down. So that's that's really what stood out to me for sure. So what, what jumped out at me as I reflected on the podcast when it was what I would call the normalization of mental health. Right? We talked about the fact that if I had a broken ankle, I wouldn't go run a marathon. Right. I mean, that's physically impossible. But if I'm struggling with mental health issues, you know, I, you know, in the olden days, so to speak, I would not talk about them. I would be like, I just put in a corner, go to work, do my job, talk to my family and carry on. And, you know, 
CVS and, and CARA are really trying to normalize mental health. Everybody goes to the Minute Clinic to get a vaccine or if they have the flu. Now you're going to a Minute Clinic to get mental health services. I mean, what's more normal than going to a Minute Clinic for crying out loud? For sure. I, that, that to me too was super interesting in terms of the, the gulf of how we talk about like your body's healthcare versus your mental healthcare, you know, Hey, go outside and you, you know, automatically, Oh, to be healthier, I need to, you know, eat better, you know, get fresh air, go for a walk, whatever. But we don't, or have not typically associated, well, one of the mental health things I need to do to get there. So yeah, that, that really ties into, you know, the, a little bit of hopefulness that that is now becoming the norm for mm -hmm. sure. And that it should be that mental health care should be as normal as an annual physical, being able to connect with a provider to just have an, a quick check-in to make sure that, for lack of better terms, things are on straight and in, that you're headed in the right direction and that you don't need additional support or services for your mental health. Yeah, but even then, Brittany, I think it's not the annual physical, right? I mean, we talked about you got to go get your annual physical. I think what Cara brought up was she talked about like the normal day to day, like the annual stresses. And she's like, you know, we put licensed clinical social workers into the CVS stores and you might be stressed out because you can't find daycare. And that's, you know, for your kid and you got to get back to work, particularly as we're all leaving our homes and going back to the offices now. And that additional stress with maybe fighting the pandemic and, you know, getting your kids back to school and your boss now wants you in the office three days a week. Those are all normal, regular things. And you're spiraling down. And when you're at that minute clinic, the licensed clinic will say, hey, stop. Like, let me start and help you, you know, deal with one problem at a time. Can I help you find your daycare? And even like, is finding daycare a mental health issue? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I can kind of see how it causes a mental health issue. Right, I mean, right. Right. And I think that what was really interesting about it is they're going to think about what are some of those social determinants of health that they can then help improve it and, you know, take them off the proverbial list. I think that's what jumped out. Yeah, especially when you look at what's what they're doing to try to break those, like those are all barriers, you know, whether it comes to, you know, there's this, the old school culture of nope, compartmentalize, just get through it, just go forward, you know. And, and we had almost had this idea of, well, you should feel guilty if you can't do that. Like you should feel guilty for feeling like your mental health is suffering when you got to get the kids to school at 7 a.m. Then you got to be at work from eight to six, and then you're missing out on things because maybe you have to put them in an after school thing. All these different things are, are piling up. And like you can even still see it right now with like the hustle culture. It's like, oh, if you're not hustling, you're not working. Like there's all this, this, this you know, uh, uh, societal push for that sort of mentality and, and to have the ability or have a, a, a company or even like the, the mindset switch, right? That new normal. We've got so many new normals now after the pandemic. And if this is one of them that people are able to slow down, take a break and understand that this is the important thing. I'm not a, you know, a warrior that's going to have to compartmentalize every bit of my personality to get through this thing. That, that was huge. And how CVS is looking to make this discreet because even people who still feel that push of the culture to, to not take care of your mental health. If you can discreetly walk into a CVS minute clinic and have the opportunity to, to see someone and talk to someone without, you know, those small communities where you, you know, people that are walking around, they don't know you're there for a mental health visit. And that to me, again, it shouldn't be a stigma to have to seek mental health, but try again, that's a barrier. 
And the fact that they're so focused on removing those barriers, I think that is one of the main keys of getting us through to where mental health does become our new normal. What's interesting, so since we had that uh, podcast recording where Britt and I spoke to Cara, CVS and Morning Consult released a new survey around mental health. CVS Health Morning Consult survey finds mental health concerns increase substantially across Americans of all backgrounds. And as I was reading through that study, one of the things that jumped out, Todd, as you're talking to me here is that the survey found that while 74% of employed adults agree that employers should offer their employees resources and access to mental health, only 35% of employed adults feel comfortable discussing mental health with a colleague, which indicates an opportunity for workplace, workplaces to further engage their employees. And so, you know, you are sitting there talking right now, Todd, about how, you know, how the warrior mentality and our relationships with our offices are changing. And I think they all have, right? I mean, we're productive at home now, which we never were three years ago. But, you know, now we have this new relationship with our employers, and yet we still haven't crossed that mental health hurdle yet. It's kind of interesting. For me, so we're going to we're gonna go a little personal here. About okay. Yeah. Personal's good. Yeah. Uh, right. This is a comfortable space, Brittany. We're here for you. We support you. Thank you. So yeah, I was I was reading that same study and it was talking about how six in 10 Americans who had participated in the study had experienced concerns about their own mental health and that most of them agreed that hearing about other people's challenges made it more comfortable to seek out resources for themselves. So Definitive Healthcare offers an excellent for those who participate in our in benefits program. Offer we're hiring, by the way. Everybody <laughs> excellent benefits around mental health, but the first three years I worked here, I never took advantage of them, and a lot of that has to do with what Kara was talking about. I didn't know how. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know there were a lot of barriers for me to access that, and a lot to do, like Todd said, with the hustle culture. I was at work at nine o'clock in the morning. I live an hour away. I wasn't getting home till six. When, where, and who was I going to meet to talk about what? Like mm-hmm. the idea of trying to find a, a, a therapist or mental health professional was adding to the stress. Mm-hmm. So after the we were all sent home to work from home, I was lucky to work for a people manager here at Definitive who prioritized emotional and mental safety and security that we could be free to talk to her about our mental health concerns. And she was, she was very free to point out when she noticed that I was declining and made those recommendations for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, for the last two, two and a half years, I've been seeing a mental health professional who's obviously recommended some, mm-hmm. some tools and skills in my life and um, medications that have certainly helped keep me from spiraling. That wouldn't have happened without someone else talking to me about mental health options or pointing me where to start. So if CVS can do that, put that big neon sign saying, start here for whatever, we don't care if it's a broken ankle or mental health, start here and we will help you navigate this really stressful system. I think that's a really excellent move. I I think the the thing that you mentioned, Brittany, that that stands out is that culture to help one another. and, And that one thing that stood out from from the discussion with Cara that I thought was really interesting was when they kind of looked at the the perspectives of the younger cohort of employees out there. So the you know the the, the early or the late millennials, I guess you'd say, going that going that direction, and the Gen Zs, they had a much higher 
a much higher percentage of them were interested in or, or thought it appropriate to have that sort of, you know, discussion at work with your peers to have that conversation. So when I think about hopefulness for the future in this sort of thing, it's like the kids are all right, man. They, they, they see that they actually have a much higher tolerance for being open in, in, in the work environment, being friends with the people that work, or even at least having that relationship with their managers that they are feel it's okay to talk about those things where we are maybe not able to do that in uh, some of our older cohorts of folks. Justin, I'm looking at you and myself. but uh, <laughs> I'm older than you, Todd. Uh, I'm yeah, the old guy here. Tad, slightly. So as more of a percentage of the workforce becomes that Gen Z or the, you know, the, the, the later millennials, I, I think that more we're going to see in the workforce or in the workplace, rather, the ability to to do that or, or to have those conversations. And again, you know, it's, it's a, maybe that breaks down the, the, and Brittany, all of this one, the geriatric millennials and the Gen Z's and that sort of thing. That's a real term, by the way. I didn't just make that up. But is Brittany a geriatric millennial? She sure is. Yeah. She's more geriatric than millennial sometimes, but yeah. Right. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, so, so that again, I, I, you know, we get caught up sometimes listening to the state of the health, the, the world in healthcare and how, hopeless it can feel it sometimes. And I actually walked away from this conversation feeling hopeful, which is a, you know, certainly a turn for the better in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I, I walked away feeling hopeful as well. And Brittany, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, you know, interesting personal side on that. I've been working for 25, 30 years longer than I could have. That was the first conversation that I've had about a colleague's mental health in my entire career. And, you know, I've worked at large companies. I've worked at small companies. And I think it's a statement about, A, I think it's a statement about definitive healthcare culture, not them trying to advertise our company, but I think it is a statement about our company culture. But also, I think it's a statement about where we are at as a society and how things are changing and attitudes are changing and people are more comfortable and understanding and comprehending about what it was like. I'll be honest, 20 years ago, if you'd have said something like that, I would have been highly uncomfortable. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to know that. Oh, Brittany, please, like, no, that, like, I would have freaked out. Like, and now- I probably would have been afraid to share that with you as a leader for fear of it affecting my growth in a company. Right. You're totally, right? And now I'm kind of like, well, no, duh. Of course you had all this going on. The stress of every single person in this country, in this world was through the roof and- Thank God you were smart enough to actually go get someone, someone to help you, right? Like, great. So that's an interesting comment when you, you say that I was smart enough to get someone to help me. It took a lot of work for me to find someone, not just mental, emotional work to do that. Of course, that did too, but just navigating how yeah. to find someone and to establish that, that care process. So what I appreciated about Kara's presentation in our discussion was that we, instead of making people guess, I'm, I'm a highly educated woman who works in healthcare and healthcare analytics. I should be able to navigate this pretty easily. And it was still hard. Yeah. So I appreciate Kara's efforts to bring that process front and center to folks where they are and where they're going to be for one reason or another. Um, I think that that's going to be super valuable in folks being able to access their own mental health care journey. I mean, that's almost like that's a real benefit of, of the CVS, right? Is you're right. Healthcare in and of itself is difficult to traverse and to understand and to figure it out. And then to all the even more. 
first, there's also a shortage of providers in this country, like a massive shortage of mental health providers, worse than some other stuff that we were talking about in other podcasts. And But, you know, because of CVS's proximity and distribution, they can help you navigate the system. Because let's be honest, not everybody is going to be as well educated and knowledge about the healthcare system as you are going to be. And they may have needs as similar or even more dire than yours. So if CVS can help people, they can't solve everybody, but they can help navigate people. That's a huge win. And that's a huge stress relief because the idea of navigating it by yourself is stressful on top of all the reasons you want to go navigate it. (laughs) This actually, to me, it ties way back to one of our first podcasts when we talked about the diversification of the healthcare system, right? So where Mm -hmm. the CVSs, Walgreens, and all have, they all have their own clinics where you can go and and get your PCP work done right at the clinic, uh, at the minute clinic, excuse me, or, or Walgreens or whatever uh, group it might be. But I, I think that as we look at this disambiguation of the large structures and the, you know, the convolutedness, so to speak, of what we have in that system, if you can make it so that it is easy, convenient, and right in front of you, it allows for, again, those better outcomes down the line. So it, it all ties back into that deconstructing of what we initially thought in the early 2000s, oh, make it all under one big hierarchy and structure, maybe that 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 breakout makes a little bit more sense because it's more convenient for people and it does not look as imposing when you're trying to come in the front door to, to access it. Yeah. And then there, you know, there's this great stat from beginning the survey we keep talking about. More than half Americans, 53%, agree that hearing about other people's mental health challenges make them more comfortable seeking out resources and care for themselves. So who knows, Brittany, maybe you gave one or two people out there today, or probably according to five out of 10 people, uh, the courage to go do something uh, about their own personal situation. I hope so. And if if you work at Definitive Healthcare and are listening, you probably see on my calendar that I put my therapy appointment every week just so people stop booking over it. But so <laughs> that you know that this is what I'm doing every week and that this is a priority for me. And I've had several folks message me to the side saying that they appreciate how open I am about that. So in the last two years, that has become a hill I will die on. I think that everyone, regardless of who you are, what you're struggling with, or how severe or not you think your struggles are, everyone could benefit from someone to talk to and help unravel your brain. And then to be able to find that easily is just a huge win. I think at one point in our earlier episodes, we were talking about putting PCPs in Honeydew or Dunkin' Donuts. I would love to see mental health work being done in a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Or even like just talk, right. Or even just go talk to your, uh, the, the person taking your order at Dunkin' Donuts. Just to start the conversation. So you, you go there, Todd, and I go to uh, Lucy from Peanuts with the doctor is in and right. give her your nickel, right? And yeah, tell street you corner, what, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, you know, it, mental health is, is really out there right now. And so, you know, the other thing I was reading as we were prepping for this uh, afterward discussion is some, you know, frankly, very scary stuff in the New York Times. I know, Todd, we were saying we were feeling better about this. I'm going to bring us down, bring unfortunately. Back down for but, uh, you know, I'm going to take a minute and read something that I found from the New York. And this is like articles like over the past two weeks in the New York Times, right? So very, very relevant. Uh, and it's all about the mental health crisis in U.S. teens, you know, and according to the Times, I'll, I'll quote here, you know, American adolescence is undergoing a drastic change. Three decades ago, the gravest public health threats to teenagers in the U.S. came from binge drinking, drunken driving, teenage pregnancy and smoking. 
All of those have fallen sharply, followed by a new public health concern, soaring rates of mental health disorders. In 2019, 13% of adolescents reported having a major depressive episode, a 60% increase from 2007. Emergency room visits by children and adolescents in that period were also rose sharply for anxiety, mood disorders, and self-harm. And for people ages 10 to 24, suicide rates, which had been stable from 2000 to 2007, leaped by nearly 60% by 2018, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I mean, I looked at that and I was like, wow. And I didn't even know how to process that. So I'm going to ask you guys, what do we do here? How do you make heads or tails out of that one? The two things that makes me think of is one, getting to the root problem, right? You know, the 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 problems that we're seeing, that 60% increase with a, a major depressive uh, mm-hmm. uh, incident, that is a symptom of something going on, whether it's in the school systems or society in general. And there are things that we should look at, you know, as a, a country, we should all kind of look ourselves in the mirror for sure. However, people have had mental health issues forever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this It's not something new, so to speak, but what is new maybe is our ability to talk about it and admit to it, which I think in my perspective is that means when you see there is a problem, you have to try to put something out there to evaluate and fix the problem. So whether it's a two-pronged attack, looking at the the root cause of, of what is causing our adolescents to feel this way, mm-hmm. and two, providing them with the tools, whether they be people or technology or, or whatever it might be, or even again, it's just that culture change. We're providing a safe environment for adolescents to be able to talk about it because while talking about it isn't going to solve every problem, it is going to possibly open doors to solving the problem. So mm-hmm. so those are the two things. And, and again, having the oomph of a large company that is dedicated to this, you know, not to say that large companies are the, the answer to anything, but, you know, to have the healthcare industry trying to refocus itself around mental health care is a major improvement from where we were even 10 years ago. And that article that, uh, that CVS had published, Kara had mentioned that the stated goal is to reduce suicide attempts by 20%, I think 2025. And I think that that is an incredible and worthy goal. And I appreciate how candid that goal is. I don't know that in my childhood that was ever discussed so openly that that this is a problem, that this is something that even happens, let alone something that we need to address, but that we are aiming to reduce suicide attempts, that it's a reality. People are struggling and that this is one of the solutions that they have identified. So how do we help identify new solutions. I don't know about the two of you, but in my childhood, I never once had a mental health conversation with my parents. Full stop. You know? Full stop. Yep. I agreed. <laughs> and, you know, now I, I have four kids and I talk about my kids incessantly and I've had mental health conversations with all of them. You know, how are you feeling? Are you stressed out? Are you anxious? You know, how do you feel? Like, you know, thank God, you know, thank God, at least I don't think any of my kids have any major mental health issues. I'm constantly monitoring and you don't always know what you don't know. But, you know, it's just part of the regular daily check-in. And I think that's like an evolution as well about it. Uh, you know, I guess my parents just from a very different, obviously are from like a very different time period. I, I think a big thing to me that always stands out is knowing that there's a problem and talking about it will lead to more acceptance of that thing 
And, you know, and that that goes for a lot of different things, but, you know, specifically for mental health as parents and as school teachers and as employees and and, and managers are more willing to talk about it, it, it breaks down that that again, that the hustle culture barrier, whatever we want to call it, right? So once that fear of being open and honest goes away, then it, again, that again might not solve everything, but it opens the door for for help. You know what was interesting about that Times article is I, you know, there's a whole series of articles actually read it. You know, look, the the cynic in me, I have four kids with four cell phones and you know smart devices and. I yell at each of them at least six times a day, get off your device, like look up, as I'm sure pretty much every other parent uh, listening to this podcast does. Uh, but what was interesting was the Times article kind of dismissed social media and screen time. I'm still not going to tell my kids that uh, because I want them off their devices. But they cite U.S. federal research that teenagers as a group are getting less sleep less exercise, and are spending less time in person with friends, all of which doctors say are crucial for healthy development at a period in life when it is typical to test boundaries and explore one's identity. The combined result for some of these adolescents is a kind of cognitive implosion, is what the time says. You know, and it's co They define cognitive implosion as anxiety, depression, compulsive behaviors, self-harm, and ultimately even suicide. So, you know, kind of shocking when you look at that, but also really interesting about this kind of combination of, you know, less sleep, less exercise, and I guess less time in person could theoretically be connected to screen time. But either way, it's all about those human to human interactions. I think that when we look at even the effects of the pandemic, where, where kids were more isolated, and that certainly will have an effect on them feeling more depressed and, and more anxious and those sorts of things. There will be a transition time too, as we we sort of come out of it and they get more face time with their friends or peers in in places where there may be an amplification of of the anxiety of of you know just being in a social setting again. However, I do think, you know, especially as we're talking about this sort of thing and we see the explosion in even if you just listen to podcasts right now, the ads you're hearing are for mental health, like online mental health options. And so yeah. As that sort of thing starts to really intertwine itself in the zeitgeist, again, I go back to that. The kids are right. The, the, the younger generation is looking at this. Well, no, of course we talk about our feelings. Of course we talk about our mental health. Like that mentality is going to need to continue to bloom, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic and people are feeling that anxiety and feeling it's okay to talk about it. So if we were still with that same older mentality that says, you know, no, no, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about your mental health. And we were coming out of this, you know, I almost feel like back in 1918, when they came, went through that and all the, the kids, the anxiety that probably contributed to uh, the culture of, hey, no, no, we don't talk about that stuff. So now that we're we are where we are and the focus is turning, I'm, I'm again, I am. These are terrifying statistics for sure, especially, you know, I have a, a father of, of two uh, almost teen girls that it's terrifying for me for sure. But I do like I'm the same, Justin, I, I talk about it openly. Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? What do you think about this? So I think that that is what we have to continue to do and continue to not stigmatize that conversation. And I would encourage you as people leaders in the company to do that with your employees as well, um, to have those mental health check-ins with them and, and to provide and this is not just YouTube, but anybody listening mm -hmm. is to check in with anybody about how they're feeling, how they're doing and help them unravel any of their stressors. 
Yeah. But, but you know, Brittany, that's an interesting thing because the emotional caring part of me does want to do that check-in. But you've also got today and age as, as a manager, you don't want to cross that line and pry. And there are certain things that you're able to have that should be private. And you should be comfortable saying, I have an issue and I'm not comfortable talking about that. Uh, and trying to find that line. There's like no managerial training that can say, hey, Justin, here's how you talk about mental health with your employees. Maybe there's, I haven't had that training. And so I'm doing the level best that I can being the good dude that I think I am. Uh, but there's kind of like that line is that how do you go and how do you make people comfortable, but not pry too much? It's a, it's a challenge, I think. Yeah. For a lot of managers. Yeah. I, I think a strategy for that is maybe not going down to the person level, like as a group say, hey, everybody needs to have we need to give you your your time that you need to take care of your mental health. And while you may not be comfortable coming right to me, here are the resources, work with HR to pull those sorts of things in. But also to to even say that in a in a group meeting that, you know, hey, we do care. I care about you guys and I care about your mental health. And if there is time where you may not want to discuss the problem, but you need a, a half day to go do a mental health break, that's totally okay. And so even setting that stage, I think, is a good strategy to ensure that people at least feel that they have the, they're not going to be, you know, getting uh, reprimanded for taking time off or that sort of thing. So. Yeah. I, I like that, Todd. And, and I think that kind of comes back to what we almost kicked the podcast off with this conversation of normalization, right? If you again, broke your ankle and you told your manager, you needed to go to see the orthopedist for your broken ankle. They're going to be like, yes, please go. Right. And so now you've got to make no question, it normal. Yeah. I need to go to therapist and I'm out from 11 to 12 every Wednesday. Sorry. And I even a sorry. I'm out from 11 to 12 every Wednesday, period. Period. Right? End of story. You don't right. apologize for being human. Exactly. You know, but that's kind of the nature as to who we are, Brittany. I feel like every, at least I know we all, we're all always apologizing, right? Sorry. Didn't mean to. Sorry. I, you know, like, you know, I just did that academically. What a great illustrative use case, right? And I think we've got to get past that apologizing for being human. That's a great way to think about it. And Brittany yells at me for saying sorry all the time. I do. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know if you apologize. We, there's no reason to apologize for being human. It adds to it adds to the poor mental health, I think. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I also appreciate, so Todd, you had mentioned, uh, you know, the transition that the kids are going to experience learning how to be human beings again, going back into schools and being around other people. I recognize that that transition is hard for me. I think about my first week back in the office seeing people, I was vibrating. I had so many feelings and some of them were anxious, some of them were excited. And I recently went to a conference and I forgot how to be a professional human being there. I was like, what do we do? And just the general acknowledgement and, and shared acknowledgement that this is weird, this is stressful. All of us are kind of uncomfortable right now, but just general acknowledgement that this situation or this thing is stressful. Yeah. I, I think understanding that, or at least feeling that everyone else is feeling anxious too, is again, it's another barrier to break down in your own head to say, exactly. hey, yeah, oh yeah, everyone feels like this. You're not alone. Like those are important things for sure. That's what I was trying to get at. You got there. Thank you. <laughs> you got there. And you know, it's almost like May is mental health awareness month, but really- Every month should be Mental Health Awareness Month. We don't have Physical Health Awareness Month. 
right? <laughs> it seems kind of crazy. Uh, and so, you know, we timed this series of podcasts for May because we wanted to be ce- celebrate and recognize Mental Health Awareness Month. I think every month should be Mental Health Awareness Month. I agree. It's like on Mother's Day when my kids were like, well, when's Kids Day? And I said, every day is Kids Day, which <laughs> every parent knows that line. So. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and so and so to kind of, you know, wrap us up here, I remember we asked Kara, you know, what is she thinking that everyone as an individual can do? She kind of had really a three-step prescription, right? She said, first, think about our own health well-being and the importance of brushing our brain, right? How do you take care of your own mental health? Two, educate. How do you educate by conversation of mental health, mental well-being impacts us all, no matter what your role is, it impacts us. And it's normal. You don't have to do this alone. And then finally, as a healthcare provider, you know, she said, we as an industry have to push hard to be bold. I like that, push hard to be bold, uh, to change how we deliver mental health, well-being and mental health illness services so that we can meet people where they're at on their journey when they need it. And what I thought was before they need it, right? So the whole conversation, even the way we've had our conversation today, has been all about treating the mental health challenge. You know, there's a whole big thing in physical medicine around preventative health, right? My doctor's like, watch what you eat. Justin, go for a walk every day. Justin, get off the couch, right? Nobody's giving me, hey, Justin, you know, take time to do yoga. Hey, do some Zen, chill out, brush your brain. And so I think- never told you to chill out before? I have been told to chill out, but generally not in a positive way. Uh, That's a whole other conversation, Brittany. Right, that's another podcast for sure. That's a whole other podcast. You know, we'll get my wife on as a special guest for that one. Uh, <laughs> she kicked me right out of the chair. Uh, but I, I think the whole preventative angle is a really important one to think about. I agree 100%. That the idea that there are a million apps and a million books out there about your, you know, dieting and exercise and, and how to live healthier, it it just has to become our basic conversation. And when we talk health, we're talking whole body. We're talking your, 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 your limbs, your heart, when we're talking about your brain. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Brett, I'm going to give you the final word here. What are the words of wisdom do you have for us? The final word, man. I like what she had to say and what you reiterated on be bold. And I think that we need to be bold in talking about our mental health and we need to be bold in identifying what it is that we're feeling and what we're experiencing so that other folks who are around us feel empowered to go seek out their own mental health care. So use our benefits and go get a mental health check-in. And be a mental health buddy. Yeah. Words of wisdom from both of you. Thanks for both of you for joining me today. And thanks to all of you for listening to Definitively Speaking, a Definitive Healthcare Podcast. Please join me next time for a conversation with Brian Fugier, Chief Product Officer at Simpler, for a conversation about governance, risk, and compliance in the healthcare market. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. To learn more about how healthcare commercial intelligence can support your business, please follow us on Twitter at DefinitiveHC or visit us at DefinitiveHC.com. Until next time, take care, stay healthy, and please brush your brain.